0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest, Melvin Adams, a former Harlem Globetrotter, professional basketball player, both here in the NBA, domestically, and also internationally overseas. He tells some hilarious and amazing stories from his past and also about his passion to reach youth today and today's culture. So, hope you enjoyed this episode of.
1: Tell a good story. Oh, I'm so excited. The story of my life, I take her
0: home. I drive all night to keep her warm in time.
2: It's frozen. The story of my life, I give
0: her home. All right, so I have been... I'm so excited about this. I've been really happy. So today's guest, ladies and gentlemen, was a two-time NCAA D3 All-American basketball player before going on to have a career in professional basketball in both the NBA and overseas. He's a former member of the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters and currently an entertainer and motivational speaker working to reach America's youth. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to our podcast, Melvin Adams. <laughs> Melvin! Uh, (laughs) Oh, thank you. So are you down in Houston then right now? You said?
2: I'm in Houston, Texas. Yeah. So flat. You can see your dog run away for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: let let me give some context here how I met Melvin. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I met him a week ago and Melvin, I don't even attend that church, believe it or not. So Melvin, really? Yes. So Melvin, we attend a different church. Yeah, we attend a different church. Mm-hmm. So Melvin, yeah. Melvin was at a church here in Columbus, Ohio, um, talking to the kids, and of course, this church has a basketball league, basketball program, and our daughter is in that league. And so I saw uh, we got an invitation email about a, a Harlem Globetrotter was going to be at the church and stuff, and I thought, you know what, that might be fun to take Emmy to see this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. A couple funny things happened, Melvin, last week, and I don't, think, I don't think I told you all this stuff. So, Melvin, I walk in, I think I walked in the back way with my daughter, and we're in the foyer of that church. And again, we attend a different church, so I don't know anybody there, right? Yeah. So, I go yeah. to get coffee, and uh, I see you, and I'm like, okay, not to stereotype, but this is the only black dude in the room. He's probably the horrible <laughs> globetrotter, all right? So I love it, I love it. I wa- So I'm watching you, and you start to like high-five people as they're coming in uh, the church, you know, welcome, welcome to Shepherd Nazarene, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, a woman of color walks in, mm-hmm. okay? And he's like what's up girl he's like it's beyonce beyonce (laughs) is in the room and it's her manager and he's like i'm gonna and he's like everybody everybody beyonce beyonce has entered the building and i am busting out laughing melvin like i i'm like okay the show's already started here we go like get some popcorn i'm gonna watch this guy i love it i love it so then melvin i walk my daughter back to the kids area okay and again we haven't we haven't been to this church. So I've got to sign her in and, and all this fun yeah. stuff. And so I've talked to my eight-year-old and she's, she's nervous because she hasn't been in this kid's wing. I'm like, Emmy, it's going to be fine. This, this uh, former globe charge is going to come in. He's going to do some tricks. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. And as soon as I say that, Melvin, you walk in the door, he grabs a basketball, goes up to a hoop, bounces it off the floor and goes right in. And that, like, that first impression on my daughter was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stay back here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Melvin, uh, I, I asked the, the Sunday school teacher, I'm like, hey, can I stay back here? Like, I want to watch this. And she's like, uh, Mr. Adams, he's going to go into the adult service later. So you'll get to you'll get to watch him there too. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll go in the adult service. <laughs> so I went in the adult service. And is that – well, first off, is is that typically what you do, Melvin, when you walk into the room with kids? Like, what do you typically do to get their reaction, I guess? Because
2: it got my reaction. What? Yeah. Well, I tell people, I I, I don't wait for people to come to me. I immediately go to people and I love on them because I think a lot of times in life we build so much, so many walls and uh, obviously people think I'm going to be taller. So that kind of (laughs) breaks that stereotype. And uh, that's why I was, you know, voted Mr. Globetrotter because like for me, it wasn't a job. Like loving people is something that I do everywhere I go, not just at where I was at or, what you know? I love people at Walmart. I love right. people at Kohl's because I just feel that there's so many people. That lady, particular lady that you that you said, so that lady called me, right? Really? That lady's husband, her husband died like three weeks ago, and she said and so. She came to the church like self-esteem was just low, and so for me to say Beyonce, you know, somebody who's like a mogul, it. She said that was the first time in three weeks that she had heard outside from her husband somebody that had. Uh, you know, since she was beautiful, or since she had value, mm. and you know that's kind of crazy that even you think at the church. But I think we make we make life so hard when life is so simple. Just just love people and make people feel love. You know,
0: that's really good. That's so good. So stuff. So going along again, I've never met <laughs> awesome, I've never man. met Melvin. All right, You're so awesome. he does this trick, goes in the hoop. <laughs> I'm blown away. Okay, so then I've got to go in the adult service. All right, thinking. This isn't going to be any fun, right? I want to be back there with the kids. So, hmm. Melvin walks in, and after he had spoken with the kids, and, of course, he's given his story, his background, everything, and then um, someone gives him a basketball, and he starts inviting people up out of the crowd, okay? Well, I found out one of our neighbors goes to this church, Shepherd Naz, and um, so Melvin picks out this, this kid from the crowd, and... He's home from college, okay, he's a friend, you probably don't know this, but um, he's home from college, he grew his hair out, he's got a little scruff on his face, and so Melvin starts calling him Jesus, okay, and I am losing it. I am busting out laughing because he's like, oh, we got Jesus here in the house, right? And so then he's trying to teach Jesus one of these tricks, right, like behind the back, between the legs, bouncing off his booty, and... (laughs) And when he bounces off his booty, it's like a chess pass across the room to Josh, okay? Mm-hmm. Josh is his real name, right? not Jesus. so like across the room to Josh and um, and so then Josh tries to do it, and of course he screws it up. and uh, when Josh goes back to the seat, Melvin goes, "Hey, listen, stay off the drugs." And I <laughs> busted out laughing. I thought that was hysterically funny. now the cool. people the people like sitting around me. They didn't laugh as much as I did. Like I busted out loud laughing because I thought that was hysterical, Melvin. But how you <laughs> interact with people is phenomenal. Like have you always uh, had this type of gift, Melvin? Or
2: No, no. I, I was shy. It, it, you know, like I said, I was, uh, I was really shy growing up as a kid. So if you hear me now, you think I have diarrhea of the mouth. But <laughs> growing, up, growing, up, growing up as a kid, if you would have told me in high school, or middle school that I'd be like talking to people. I would have thought you were doing drugs. Right. Uh, so, but my, I had a mentor who saw something in me that I didn't see. he said, man, you're going to, you're going to reach the world. Mm. And I think, you know, in all my travels, um, I just see so many people again, like I think we just make life so hard when life is so simple and we're always looking for the big, I think even in marriage, I think sometimes as men, we think, Our wives want a bigger car, a better house. But in reality, all they want for us is just spend time with them. And that's so simple that we can't even see it because we're always looking for something big. And I think when you think about people, people just want to be loved. There are three words that come to my mind. You know, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you and I'm proud of you. It's the three things I think the whole world, the reason why we do the things we do. People just want to be noticed. They want to belong to something. And they want to know that they're doing a great job right
1: that's awesome so, well you talk about being on stage i want to know how on earth you become a harlem globetrotter like what's the tryout process like how you're like oh i'm gonna be a harlem globetrotter today i'm gonna to try out like how does that work melvin do you get invited
2: yes yes ma'am so what happens is they they have scouts like even in the nba are scouts all over the world literally like all over the world not just in america but all over the world and they travel around and they're they look for talent. Now the globe challenge is a little different because you could be a great athlete, but if you don't have a personality, then it'd be really hard for you to be, to stick with the globe challenge because you have to be more than that because you are an ambassador of the game. So obviously I can dribble really well. And so I go overseas to New Zealand after college and my first game, I had 72 points. What? The second game, I had 69. What? Yeah, so it drew another attention, again, to a to a, to a team that was uh, horrible. Everywhere I went, the teams were horrible. But where I went, we either won the championship or lost the championship. And it's all about leadership. I think everywhere I go to make people better, and a lot of it is everything that you just said. I immediately come in. I immediately love on people. I build their trust. And then they follow me wherever I go. And I make them believe how I believe, that I can overcome any mountain, I can swim any sea, even though blacks don't swim. Uh, you know, we can get some rafts, you know what I mean? Just, just stick to me, and we might just live, baby. But so when I did that, uh, I did that, and then I went to Poland, same deal. We win the European Championship, I go to Argentina, we lose the championship game. So my agent goes, hey man, uh, the Globetrotters, and I was like the Globe Travelers. I remember seeing them when I was ten. Right. So they fly you. They fly you to Orlando, Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> and so you bring in about there's about two hundred guys from all over. And for two weeks, you just play basketball. That's all you do. You just play basketball. And so the best players stay. The guys that don't have good games leave. And then they start looking at your character, like your personality. And so obviously, you know that that's where I kind of thrive. And so it was real weird. My, my first. Our first, I think, our first ten days, uh, we would go to these towns, Nebraska and you know Chicago, and and there would be just meant a, a bunch of people cheering for me. And so the coach goes, "Who are you, man? Like, how how do? Everywhere we go, there's thousands of people that know you." I said, "Well, you you did your study on me as an athlete. You didn't do your study on me as a speaker." Right. I've been I've been preaching since I was seventeen, so there were I've been all over the world speaking, so there'd be. Two, three thousand extra people just screaming my name, and so a lot of guys were like, "You're you're a rookie," and all these people know you, but obviously they didn't study that I was uh, traveling.
0: Now, when you said you play basketball, are you playing real basketball? Are you doing the circus stuff within those that tryouts, right? Like,
2: Mm -mm. yeah, yeah, the tryouts are just serious basketball, just straight up hooping. Yeah, you're just hooping. Like, it's no, it's no. After two weeks, then they teach you the tricks, and then the then the history. Mm And then, you know, then that, then they start cutting guys again, because like, man, this guy's a great athlete, right. but he has a dull personality, yep. so he won't fit.
0: Now, Melvin, I am fascinated by the Globetrotters history, right? So I was telling Steph, I think earlier today, or maybe last night, about reading about the Globetrotters. So my introduction to the Harlem Globetrotters was, when I was a kid, I saw them on Scooby-Doo, right? I uh, saw yeah. them on sure. ABC's Wild World of Sports, and I remember, I think it was Jeanette Woodard, was like the first Jeanette, yeah, Lynette like, Woodard, yeah. yeah or Lynette thank you was like the first female basketball player that were on the Trotters, right yeah. but going back back in the late 40s blew me away that the Globetrotters actually played the Minneapolis Lakers right yep beat them and beat them in 1948 yeah. 1949 and the Lakers were the, the champions the mm-hmm. champions and so yeah. that just blew my mind and then in like 1950 1951 Wilt Chamberlain Left yeah. the University of Kansas early, a full year, went and played a year at the Globetrotters, and then yeah. went into the NBA draft. And so the Globetrotters—correct me if I'm wrong—but they helped knock down like the race barriers, the color barrier in yeah. the NBA. Yeah. And a lot of those players yeah. end up going to the NBA.
2: Yeah. Well, you 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 did it right, man. So 1926, there was a Jewish guy named Abe Saperstein. Globetrotters never even started in New York; they started in in Chicago, Hinkley, Illinois. Okay. And so at that time, they wouldn't let blacks play professional sports. So this Jewish guy got five black guys. He named them Harlem because Harlem was synonymous with with blacks. Okay. So he wanted people to know they were a black team. He called them Globetrotters because he wanted people to think they went all over the world when actually they never left Chicago. So they're touring around and they're beating people so bad that people start – it was boring, so they start playing with them. And that's when the tricks and all that stuff came in. So they became real famous. And so what happened was they were – they were selling out arenas. The NBA weren't. So they challenged the uh, Minneapolis Lakers and then they, with George Mike, and they beat them. So, of course, they're they pissed and they're like, this was luck. So they played them again, beat them again. And then from that moment, they started then buying out the Globetrotters. Really? So, what would happen was the Globetrotters would play in the arenas first. It'd be a doubleheader. And then it would be a packed house. When the Globetrotters were done, over half the crowd would leave. So the NBA wasn't making money. The Globetrotters were. So they start buying the NBA, the Globetrotter players. They start buying them because they obviously at that time they had more money. Right. And so that's why we got all the razzle dazzle NBA type stuff. The Globetrotters kind of help bring, like you said, the racial barriers break down the walls because again they go all over the world and you never hear the Globetrotters on TV or the radio bragging about how much money they make. But we promise to give million smiles every night. Right. <laughs> so that's how we
0: go. <laughs> so, so Melvin, back to. You make it through the two weeks of camp, right? You make the final cut. Then how do they pick out, okay, here's the tricks you need to do? And and how long does that process last before it's you're like game ready and you can do it yeah. on a whim?
2: So we I went in, we, we you go in like like the first week of August, and you're there for about three and three weeks. And after that, you're you're gone. I mean, it's one team's going to Europe, one's going to Asia. And then you come back home, then you're, you're US tour. So one's doing the East Coast, one's doing the West Coast. So it. it so what they do is I was the new curly uh, because of my dribbling. They, they get a, a metal art guy and then they get a dribbler. And obviously I was, you know, Guinness Book, World Records, 98, world's fastest dribbler. So I, dribbling was something that I did all the time. So because of that, what, what I did was I studied. I watched the old guys, went back, watched all the videos. So when all the other guys would go, Clubbing, right? I would stay in the arena and I would train. Spent all of my time standing in the gym learning the tricks. So I was actually the first rookie to ever be in the magic circle where you see sweet Georgia Brown. So I was the first rookie from nineteen twenty six to nineteen, I think in ninety eight. All of those players were all inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I always wanted to be in the Hall of Fame in the NBA, but I ended up getting it in the as a globe Did you really so uh so that's why I studied, studied the tricks. And so obviously you you pick your own, you create your own. And so I just studied all the other guys and added what they did to, to create kind of Melvin's deal. So here,
0: another thing that blows me away about Melvin, okay? So he does these tricks like on a whim, on the spot, okay? And so listeners, if you go to his Instagram page at GlobetrotterMelvin, you're going to see some of these tricks, right? And so you'll see him at a school gym, with a microphone in his hand, he will take a ball, toss it from half court stuff over his head and bank it in, right? And it's not that's not like the 10th take, right? Like he's doing this on the spot.
2: My whole life was predicated on being the best because of my mom. So like I said, when you would sleep, literally I was working on my jump shot because I had to outwork you because most colleges would come and see you first because you're tall and they would overlook me because right. I was short. So while you were playing Fortnite, I was working on my dribbling. (laughs) While you were taking your wife out on a date, I was working on my shooting. And and then when you would work out, I would work out when you worked out. So I'd always be ahead of you. I may not have been better than you at the moment, but eventually I was going to surpass you. All because of my mom. And so number two was never on Wheaties. So my whole drive was to be number one which led me to becoming a workaholic. And I think that's where we fail in, in America or in the world. We spend so much time giving our work everything we have, and then we have nothing left for our family. We're all beat down, we, we travel, we give, the, we give the world everything and we give our family scraps. Right.
1: I am curious, do you have a particular story when you were playing with the Globe Trotters with a fan base or, you know, the fit your favorite game that you remember? Like do you have a, like your favorite memory from the Harlem Globetrotters?
2: Trotters? This is a funny story. So on our contract, whenever you would mention any one of the sponsors, you would get $50,000. So whoever That's mentions cool. the sponsor would get $50,000 whoever was there would get ten. So if we were all together and we we're on just doing this show and and I mentioned one of those sponsors, I would get fifty thousand per every sponsor and you two would get ten thousand or vice versa, uh-huh. if you said it fifty. So our sponsors were Reebok, Denny's and Northwest Airlines. So I'm getting all this fan mail. And and so, so we go on Oprah. So we got the guy who's been there for like 13 years. He's six, nine. Another guy was there for like 15 years. He's six, six. And there's another guy been there like 11 years. He's six, six, seven. Something. And here I am five, eight with high heels on and I'm a rookie. So we go on Oprah and the owner goes, nobody talks, but the metal art guy. And so, you know, I'm the, I'm the new curly. Okay. You know, if they were the originals, we were the extra crispy. So anyway, we go on Oprah. (laughs) And so Oprah goes, uh, she, of course, it's a woman show. She goes, uh, she goes, man, you're the shortest one on the team. And I go, yeah, but I'm the cutest too. look at these guys. So it's a woman <laughs> show. So the women are laughing. So she goes, what does the globe try to do? You know, you guys travel the world. Like what is what is a normal day? So the metal art guy starts talking. She goes, no, 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 no. Let the little guy answer. I said, well, it's really easy. Oprah, I wake up in the morning. I put my Reebok on. Oh. Uh, I go to Denny's and get me a Grand Slam. And I get our North Airlines and <laughs> fly all over the world. 150,000 in three seconds. That's how I roll, baby. That's how you got to do it. You got to think big, baby. Think big. Don't think small.
1: So how long well, how long is a Globetrotter season for you? Uh,
2: well, we play 320 days out of the year. So you're only all 45 you? days. you? Yeah, 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 It's 11 and a half months out of the year, nonstop. Oh, yeah, you, can't my goodness. you can't be married. You can't be... You can't be happily married. I wasn't married playing with Globetrotters. There's no way. A lot of guys were, but there's no way you could be married and travel that much, you know?
0: Wow. The last question I think that we had on the Globetrotters was, and you you mentioned earlier, Melvin, was we were curious about some of the audiences that you had performed in front of. So you mentioned Mm -hmm. Oprah, and I had seen. You know, the globe writers had performed for like the Pope or you yeah. know, the queen of yeah. England what what were some queen of the yeah so what were some of the cooler audiences I guess that you've performed in front of
2: uh man we we performed uh man you know Nelson Mandela's birthday wow. so we literally performed right in front of his kind of his palace uh man we we played in the Middle East uh, not in the Middle East but it was kind of like Middle East kind of Africa but there was a war and literally they let us play for two hours and they gave us One hour to get out, and then they start killing each other. Oh no! It was crazy. So for two hours, we brought peace. So they were on one side, the other people on the other side, and we we brought them together, made them laugh, tried to bring unity, and they said, "Me brother, you have one hour to get out, or you will be killed too." We're like, "See ya!" (laughs) We're out. Let's go to Columbus. Right. Go to Columbus, Ohio. Don't care how cold it is. Oh, I mean, yeah, was your yeah. heart
1: pounding during that, like, performance? Like, okay, we got to be on this. Or, like, who knows? They might, like, just shoot us on the spot if we're not good enough. You no,
2: know, one thing about blacks were really fast. So uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm all you would saw was my elbows and my butt. <laughs> yeah, I would have been going. So when that game was over, we did our last little confetti. We were, we were out. No autographs. Like they literally was like, "Thank you, we appreciate it." Now we're gonna kill each. other. We threw water on them. We did. The, we brought them out. Did the dances. We would bring to try to bring unity. So we bring people from that side to the other side, and they laughed during the whole two hours. But when it was over, they said, "One hour, you got to get out." We had really? to get on the plane. They Had a plane set up. We got on the plane, and we were out. And you could literally see, like down, you could just see like shots being fired and. And they were going at it, man. It was...
1: Oh, <laughs> my crazy.
2: And this goodness. was, uh, this was what, late 90s? Yeah, this was, yeah, 90s. So this was, uh, I played uh, from 96 to 2000. Okay. And this was in 97. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So there were, like, a lot of wars, like, a lot of, you know, like, racial wars, religious wars. It was crazy.
1: Coolest place. And they you- would...
2: Because the coolest place? Yeah,
1: coolest place.
2: You know, I love Germany. Germany was cool. I think all of Europe was... Was cool, but uh, nothing's like America, like you know, like. But to go outside in, a- in Asia, me and the memoir guy, we had to learn the language because we were the ones always talking on the mic. So we had um, to learn a little French, a little really Russian. Oh yeah, we had to it's little, you know, just a little to get the point
0: across. Right. Me. So that's a perfect segue into my the other thing I was curious about. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Melvin, about international basketball. Okay, and I was telling Steph. From what I've seen, international basketball is nothing like here in the United States, okay? Yeah. Like, for example, yeah. last month, I was reading an article on Rick Patino, who is Rick head coach team. for some Greece team, okay? Mm-hmm. They, their fan base got in trouble for letting off too many flares, too many fireworks inside the arena during games. Yeah. And so they oh, yeah. had to play a game. Like behind closed doors, the Mm -hmm. next game is a penalty, right? And so when I saw the clips of this on Twitter, it was literally like you took a European soccer crowd, put them indoors with their chants, with, I mean, and literally they're shooting off flares, fireworks, and I mean, that's what I call a home court advantage, Right. (laughs) <laughs> but was there was there an example of something you ran to you're like whoa this i'm in a different world here playing basketball because oh, yeah. it looks completely different
2: yeah you know I, I played in poland when you play overseas it's tax-free okay so they give you a contract then they give you a car and then they give you a house so literally you don't even spend the money because they, they pay for everything. So I'm playing in Poland and they had these wire nets around the whole stadium. So people were throwing glass. I mean, they, they get into it. Like you you could be running and just get hit with a piece of glass that got through the little, little Oh, it, it was crazy. And so my team was, was owned by uh, a mafia. They were owned by the mafia. A lot of these teams are owned by so, so obviously I'm the shortest one on the team. I'm, I'm leading the league in scoring. I'm giving hope to short people. <laughs> so, so, you know, over, over in Poland, uh, they, they were, they were, you know, they were uh, the mob. I mean, and so, but they loved me. So they invited me to their house and I, and I totally forgot the day that we we're going to meet. So I had eaten earlier that day. So I get to the house. If you can imagine this big, long table, like, like the Lord's supper, this big, long table. And all you hear is, Forks and knives cutting spaghetti, right? And so I, I, I was full, I, I, you know, and uh, so he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, Menvin, my wife, she cook all day, you know, eat. I kill you. I was like, oh, is this ragu? <laughs> this is delicious. <laughs> is this ragu? Is this that German style? And so you know, so everything to me is just, is just comedy, man. I look at it; it was scary at the moment, but I turn every, I turn all of my like fearful stuff into comedy, so people can laugh at my, at my pain and my pain can then become the power that I use to influence and change lives. But I mean, they love me. I'm I, I joke around. They love me. Like they weren't going to kill me, but, but they, they just, they thought I was just like, uh, I mean, like I said, they treat me like a guy, I mean, will be honest with you like a rock star because I was short and all of those guys never made it. And they just looked at me and here I am scoring 40, right. you know, and, uh, just relentless, man, nonstop, you know, Rocky type attitude.
0: So moving on to, I guess, what you do today, right? What led you Melvin to having this passion, right? For youth and having such an impact on youth and speaking at schools, at seminars, at basketball camp. What, I guess what led you to what you're doing today to retire from the Globetrotters and say, okay, I want to make an impact on youth.
2: You two are the cutest couple, but anyway, so uh, I was, uh, I was with the Globetrotters and, and, and we meet uh, in New York and L.A., Uh, We meet in Chicago, we meet, we have a celebrity night. So all these celebrities come out, you know, Michael Jackson, you know, just everybody you can imagine. And so they give us their autograph, we give them our autograph. Well, my rookie year, there was a, there was a singer, a young girl who's blowing it. She's, she's killing it. She's selling millions of records, making millions of dollars. Uh, Girls want to be like her, boys want to date her. And I see her that night. And so I I walk up to her and she's doing some things that night that made me say the things that I say. And I normally don't go up to people and say what I said, but the things she was doing, because for me, like I love people and more than just the outside, I can see what's going on on the inside from what you do on the outside. Or even if I look in your eyes, I could tell a lot about uh, typically. So I walk up to her and I'm cracking some jokes on some of her songs, you know, so she's laughing and. And I, and I said, you know, man, it really seems like you're dealing with some low self-esteem, some insecurity, and maybe some child molestation. Again, you got to say I don't go up to people saying that. So she looked around, like, like who told me that? And then she took off running. Really? About an hour later, her bodyguard comes, big big old black dude, big fried chicken and cornbread eating brother. I mean, he was huge. And he goes, she wants to talk to you. So I'm walking. And, and I'm thinking the whole time, he's going to kill me. She's going to write a song about it. <laughs> it number one on MTV on I Killed a Brother at Midnight. <laughs> and so i get into the limo with this young girl that girls want to be like boys want to date and um razor cuts all on her arm Mm. and when i saw that i said i said you know i'm traveling the world making people laugh for two hours but they're going home to 22 hours of depression and hurt and that's when my heart started moving saying i can continually do this continue to have a great career go down as you know maybe you know maybe one of the great Harlem Globetrotters, or I could drop the ego, and I can share people what I've been through and give hope. I didn't know how I was going to do that, because my my calendar was, you know, there was nobody calling me or booking me, and I'm telling you, as soon as I retired, uh, I retired in March, I asked my wife to marry me in April, we got married in December, and I mean, I've never looked back. I mean, the doors and the calls continually come, and I had to learn within the first year, again, because of my mom, how to say no, because when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Right. So,
0: <laughs> Well, Melvin, we want to be very respectful of your time, but we are absolutely honored that you did say yes to us mm-hmm. when you could absolutely. have just like, yeah, sure. I, I honestly, I didn't know when you gave me your phone number last week, I thought you may have left off a digit or gave me some fake number but it's super shocking to me you actually gave me your real number right your cell phone number so i was thrilled and we are honored that you took the time here out of a busy sunday night to get on our podcast or tell us a good story so thank you sir
2: if you're listening to the show i want to challenge you get get involved get in touch with these two and because your story can be the story that can literally change the world and make the world a better place so if you if there's any other podcasts I listen to, the podcast with Reese Witherspoon and Stone Cold Steve Austin because <laughs> they're amazing.
0: Well, Melvin, thank you. thank you, listeners. You can you can check out Melvin at on Instagram at mm-hmm. Globetrotter Melvin or on Twitter at Trotter Melvin. Well, Melvin, thank you so much for being a guest on our show, nice. ladies and gentlemen, Melvin Adams. Nice. Woo-hoo! Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube, and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie?
1: They can go to KevinandSteph.com. That's all I know, though. So, is that it?
0: You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners.
2: The story of my life,
0: I give a love. I spend love until she's broke.